follow that? That's ridiculous. You can't put a bunch of cute kids up here and then have me come up. There's like, you're never going to remember a thing I say. But you know what? They're never going to forget that, are they? They're never going to forget that. How cool is that? And their parents aren't going to forget it because they were taking pictures. Like, here you're like almost in tears. She broke her arm, but she was up here singing. It was awesome. Oh, that was great. So cool. Well, my name is uh, Chris McElwee. I'm the pastor of Community Life. Our senior pastor, Rob, is not here. He is celebrating 10 years of marriage to his wife, Rhonda. So they are on vacation. Yes. I know that you are all applauding for Rhonda right now, actually. Good job, Rhonda. Way to hang in there. So we are talking um, about serving. I love serving. And that's what we're talking about today. Um, so you saw this amazing video of Kim. You know, here's, here's, this, here's someone who, you know, she's like, I think I need to serve somewhere. I, I, need to, I need to contribute somewhere. And she did, and she has this amazing experience. You see these little kids, they're praying, they're learning about Jesus. You know, there's little. We're just teaching them, you know, a few things. We got the flannel graph. We still use the flannel graph every once in a while. She's using her gifts to make an eternal difference in the lives of these kids. That, that's what we do. We contribute in that way. That's what we're talking about here. The first time... I was asked to contribute. I was a new believer in Jesus. I was in college. I had just become a follower of Jesus. I went to um, uh, California State University, Chico. It was the Harvard of the Cal State University system. Any Californians here? You guys know. You guys couldn't even get in there. You had to go to Wheaton. That's, that's what's going on there. <laughs> just saying, just saying, just saying. I'm going to stand over here for the rest of the service. And uh, I had just become a believer, and I was going to a, um, a small church. I met some friends who found out I was a Christian. They invited me to go to church with them. It's a small Presbyterian church. It was right near campus, so you can, you know, I got there really easy, and it was, you know, it was fun, and I got to know some people. And, and uh, the, uh, they had a youth group, and uh, the leader of the youth group, I'll never forget her name. Her, her name, one, because she was the first one who ever asked me to, to serve, but two, she has a very memorable name. Her name was Alita Principali. Alita Principali. I always remember that name, Alita Principali. And Alita pulled me aside one day and she said, hey, Chris, we have this thing, we have a youth group, and I think you'd be a really great um, person to come and serve with our students. And I was like, first of all, there's a youth, what's a youth group, right? Because I didn't grow up going to church, and I didn't, like, you, there's a, what's a youth group thing? And apparently there's a thing, a lot of churches do this, where they have groups of students who just hang out. Well, I didn't even know about this. And she's like, I think, you know, you, 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 I think the kids would really like you, and I think you'd really have a good time. And I was like, hold on a second. I've only been a follower of Jesus for like six months. So why are you picking me? I, I don't have a Bible degree. I, I, don't even, I don't even know if I could tell you the difference between the Old and the New Testament. I know nothing, and I just met Jesus. And then, you know, in my heart, in my heart, I'm thinking, well, I am still experiencing like this transition from someone who was way far from God into someone who's a follower of Jesus. And like, you know, I was going through that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like guilt and shame as you start to realize how far and how much, how far from God you were and how much damage you've done. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jesus has accepted me into his family and I'm still like learning. I don't even know what that means. I'm still learning it myself. And Alita's like, you'll be awesome. I was like, me? And so I started to go to the youth group thing. And it was like, you know, it wasn't a big youth group. It was like 15, 20 kids. But, but um, it was so fun. 
Like we would, you know, you'd do the games and you'd, you know, hang out and then you'd teach a little Bible study lesson. And I found out that I could do it. Even as I was being really honest with like, hey kids, I don't know all the answers here. I could do it. We went on this thing. And another thing churches do I didn't know about, I'm real actually kind of ticked off about this because nobody told me about this when I was in high school, but churches go on retreats. They go away for the weekend, winter camp. And they're like, hey, we're going to this winter camp thing. I'm like, a winter what? They're like, yeah, it's like 200 kids from all over California and we go and we ski and we have fun and there's a message and I'm like, okay, I'll go to that if I have to. Free food, I was a college student. And God used me to like hang out with a cabin full of boys and have talks at night after the message and students were praying and confessing their sins and I'm like, God could use me? Here's the lesson I kind of took away from that. I didn't realize that at the time, but as I walked away from that experience and went on to do other things, like, here's the thing. God wanted me to stop being a consumer and start being a contributor. Because up until that moment where I started serving the church, I just went to church. And there's nothing wrong with going to church. It's just like if that's the only thing you do, you become a consumer and not a contributor. And I was a college student, and I would consume the donuts at church on Sunday morning. That's why we, we don't have any donuts, by the way. We hid them when we saw you bus, bus pull up, guys. But I would go, and you know, I just like, I, it was breakfast on Sunday morning. I was a starving college student. And I would hang out, and then I'd leave. And I just thought, well, that's just what church is supposed to be. Like, you know, you go, you sing, you listen to a great message, and then you go home. Wash, rinse, repeat. And then Alita says, no, 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 why don't you come and serve? And then I'm like, well, there's a little bit more to church than just like showing up on Sunday morning. There's, I could contribute here, like even me, even I could contribute. That we have a whole value about this at the church. A year ago, this a year ago at this time, Rob was preaching about our values of the church. The staff had kind of wrestled with these and talked about these and prayed over these. And one of our values, I'm going to put it up on the screen here, but one of our values is this one. Go ahead, guys. Now, there you go. Oops, see that? <laughs> Leadership development. Here it is. Here's our value. The church is a servant leader development community. The church is a servant leader development community. What does that mean? It means this. Everyone is a contributor, not just a consumer. Lon preached about this last week. Pastor Lon preached about this from Matthew 20. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. As Jesus promised in John 14, 12, our greatest delight is to release ordinary people like me, and groups to do extraordinary things for Christ. This is exactly what Jesus did with the 12 hesitating and very, very ordinary men, men who are just like you and me. We are to be contributors and not consumers. This is a value we have at our church. Listen, if you're a guest here at Wheaton Bible Church, we're so glad that you are here. And you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, he wants me to go serve children's ministry right after this service. No, just sit here, you're fine, you're good. Get to know us a little bit. But for those of you who said, you know, this is going to be my home. This is my home. I am going to be at Wheaton Bible Church every week. I am going to fellowship here. Then the value here for our church is we don't want you just to consume, but to contribute. But why? Like, what is going on there? Well, we have a Bible passage I want to teach from this morning from the book of Matthew. So open up your New Testaments to the book of Matthew. We're going to talk about serving, and about this incredible lesson that Jesus had to teach his disciples over and over and over again. 
because they were ordinary men, just like you, just like me, ordinary people, who God, who Jesus chose, and he said, hey, come and follow me. We will make, we will make fishers of men. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Ordinary men and women, not just consuming, but contributing. Matthew 14. Verse 13, I'm going to read this story. This is a story found in all four of the Gospels. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I bet if you haven't been to church, and maybe today's your first day in a long time, or maybe ever, you've probably heard this story. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. It's kind of iconic. When Jesus heard what had happened, and we'll talk about what had happened in just a second, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Why by boat? Well, because they were on the Sea of Galilee, which wasn't really so much of a sea as a fairly large lake, about 8 by 13, out of north central Israel. And and Jesus spent the first year or so of his ministry in this region. So they were near the water. And so they got on the boat. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns, the villages nearby. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate. They were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 5,000 men besides women and children, which means, let's just say there were another 5,000 women and children there. It means there were 10,000 people there. Jesus fed 10,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. How did he do that? It was a miracle. The the bread and the fish, they multiplied in the baskets as the disciples were passing them out. There was just a bottomless basket of food. Just kept going and going and going and 10,000 people. What does that look like? There are 2,000 seats here in our worship area. 2,000 seats. Five times the number of seats, at least, were fed with a couple of fish several loaves of bread. So one, I don't want you to miss the miracle and we're gonna end, I'm gonna end my message talking a little bit about the miracle, but I want you to see something else that's very subtle here, but it happens all through the book of Matthew, which talks about Jesus doing miracles and people being healed and and demon-possessed people having demons thrown out of them and, and the blind are seeing and the dead are being raised from the dead. There's all of these miracles that are happening, but here's what I want you to see this morning is that Jesus is walking around Galilee with 11 ordinary men And he's teaching them how to do these things. It's not just I'm showing people that I am God. That is a big, big part of this. But also there's these 12 guys that are going, huh, huh. And Jesus is like, you're going to do this because I'm going to leave soon. 
and you are going to do this. In fact, you are going to do greater things than these, Jesus says. And they end up, these 12, actually we know it's 11, they start a movement 2,000 years ago that still exists today and continues to grow. How do you take 12 ordinary guys and start a movement that lasts for over 2,000 years? You teach them over and over and over and over again. And what do you teach them? Here's what you teach them. You teach them to be contributors and not just consumers. You teach them not to be served, but to serve. And so I want to just highlight four observations that I glean from this passage about what it means to be a contributor and not just a consumer. And here's one. I've said it already, and this is just, I want you to just all day long, I want you just to think about this. I am a contributor. I am a contributor. And here it is, super simple. I've already said it a thousand times. Everyone is a contributor. All of you are to be contributors. Again, if you're a guest of Wheaton Bible Church, we're just glad that you are here. But if you are thinking of making Wheaton Bible Church your home, or if Wheaton Bible Church is already your home, then we want you to be a contributor. Everyone is a contributor. It's a value we hold so dearly here at the church. We didn't have 1,600 kids at all these neighborhood Bible clubs without a whole bunch of volunteers. A whole bunch. And we didn't have over 100 kids here every day in our building, growing academically and hearing about God without a whole bunch of volunteers. In fact, we have 1,500 volunteer roles available. 1,500. Not just on Sunday, but all through the week, throughout the month, throughout the year. So many. Everyone is to be a contributor. Now, the Apostle Paul expanded on this concept in the book, in the letter that he wrote to the church of Corinth. When they're asking him, hey, what are we supposed to do like as a church? Like, what's this look like? And Paul likens it to a body. We all have bodies. That's how we got here, right? And he says, well, I'm going to take this metaphor of the body and I'm going to apply it to what it looks like to be a contributor and not just a consumer. So in 1 Corinthians 12, you can turn there if you want, but I'm going to read it. Super simple. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Jesus, so it is with Christ, so it is with the church. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And this next little verse here, didn't mean to high center on this, but I need to. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given this one spirit to drink. And with the foolishness that we see happening in Charlottesville yesterday, I feel like I need to just stop here just for a second and remind you. Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given that one spirit to drink. There is no difference here. Doesn't matter your skin color. We are all the same here. Racism is evil. Prejudice is evil. And there's no room for it here. Amen? Amen. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now, if the foot should say, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body, it just can't detach itself. And if the ear should say, oh, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it could not just for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body, and he concludes with this in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. In other words, if you're like, well, I'm a part of this church, then you're a part of the body. And if you're a part of the body, you are a contributor because if you're a part of the body, you just can't say, well, I'm not going to contribute. The ear can't say, well, I'm just, just going to sit here. I don't want to do anything anymore. I'm done with you. It doesn't work that way. If you're a part of a church, you're part of the body. If you're part of the body, then you contribute. And if you're not contributing, what happens? We get rid of you. Or the body just says, well, you're not going to be here. I'm just not going to cut you off. We don't actually do that, but that's what Paul's kind of drawn. That's the picture he's painting. We are all to be a part of the body, which means we are all to be contributors. There is no option to be a part of a body and not contribute. Now, let me say this. There are times you just need to be here. I get it. Look, there are times when things happen, crisis happens, Disease happens, cancer happens, leukemia happens, breakups of marriages happens, families go south, teenagers go south, jobs get lost, and you're like, I just need to be here. I just need to come, and I need to worship. And I just want to say to you, that's okay. That's okay. But we have a saying here at Wheaton Bible Church, we say it often, you come as you are, but just don't stay that way, right? Don't stay that way. So don't come in and say, man, I've had a rough week at work. I think I'm going to take like four years off of serving, right? I'm just not going to, don't do that. Take some time off. Gather the troops. But then go back to contributing and not just consuming because as you're going to hear in a minute, there's some dangers if you just become a consumer. Now, There are times when things get rough. There are times when things are hard. And you just need to sit and you need to take a break for a little while. And so that's up to you. That's a choice that you need to make based on the life circumstances that you are in. But let me just tell you, when you are contributing and when you are part of a church, life is always going to get in the way. It is always going to be hard. The beginning of this passage Matthew writes, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place in verse 13. What happened? Well, if you read the first part of John 14, you see it. Maybe you can just see it in the, in the title of your chapter in your Bible. It says, John the Baptist was beheaded. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist was a prophet in the wilderness, pointing the way to Jesus announcing that Jesus would soon follow. They were family. They were close. John had spent over a year in jail. And finally, Herodias, the governor of this particular region, had him executed. And it was a blow to Jesus. So much so that he's like, hey guys, let's, uh, let's go take a break. And so they go to the other side of the lake. He said, it's not that big of a lake. And the people are like, where is he going? Okay, we're going that way. Let's go around and meet them. And by now, Jesus has been in the area for over a year. People had heard about him. They knew that people were being healed. And so villages were, you know, emptying and people were coming to find him. This was not a good day for Jesus. But here's the thing. And here's the second takeaway, right? 
Sometimes the worst time for you, the worst day for you is the best time for someone else. Those people who were healed, those people who were fed, those marriages that were restored, this was the day for them. This was the day for them. This was a terrible day for Jesus and the disciples. They were exhausted. They were tired already. And then they get the news of John the Baptist. It is difficult to minister to people. Can I just tell you something? My job would be so much easier if none of you ever showed up. (laughs) I love you guys. You know that. My job is people. I'm in the people job. But there are days when I'm like, stuff's going on at home. Sometimes just the burdens of what's going on here. You know, we asked you guys to write in your prayer requests. I love that. You know, on Tuesday, 1130, every Tuesday, the staff's going to gather. We're going to have four or five pages of prayer requests. And we're going to pray for every single one that comes in. And here's the thing, when, you, when you're in it and you're looking, you're like, wow, there's like six families that are dealing with a cancer and, and three that you know, marriages are going south and, and, um, and people are struggling with jobs. And, and boy, it's, you're like, whoa. There's a lot of Tuesdays where there's a, a lot of tears. Hard. But some days... The worst day for us is the best time for someone else to hear the name of Jesus. That's just part of the deal. When you can become a contributor, some days it's so fun and easy, and you're like, I could do this forever. And other days, it's like, I just don't even want to show up. But it's on those days, man. It's on, often on those days when you don't want to show up that God does show up. And people are healed. Your worst day might be the best day for someone else. Now, what happens if you're like, oh, all right, you know, I'm not, I still don't, I'm not going to do this. Like, you know, I don't want to contribute. You know, here's what happens when you go consume and not contribute. What happens is something in your heart starts to develop. A little seed starts to grow. It becomes a weed. And what happens is you start to unbelieve. You start to believe in God less and less when you only become a consumer. And what happens is, and here's, here's the next takeaway, is that when you don't serve, you, you, you start to unbelieve. You start to believe in something else. And that something else is what? Yourself. You start to believe in yourself, and that becomes dangerous. You know, it's amazing when you read the entire New Testament or just one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, is that over and over again, Jesus is reminding them of who he is. I'm healing that person. This person raising from the dead. I'm feeding these 5,000 person. This person was once blind and now can see. All of these things are happening. The disciples are like, yeah, I don't get it. Who are you again? Yeah, this is just nuts. Who are you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's right. You can raise people from the dead. Oh, yeah. And then they forget, and he has to do it again. Oh, that's right. You're the Savior. What happens is, is when you're not contributing, when you're just consuming, you forget who God is. You start to unbelieve, and that belief in God has replaced belief in yourself, and it's subtle at first. It's subtle at first. What happens is, you start to think, well, instead of becoming a servant leader, you become a self-serving leader. 
right? And that's, by the way, our centrifugal force, our natural bent is to serve ourselves all the time. That's our natural bent. You actually have to force yourself to serve out. You have to make a choice to do it. Even now, at a certain age, I still like to be served, right? I come home, I'm tired from a day at work, you know, and I was like, you know, is dinner ready? How come the lawn's not mowed? Why are my socks still on the floor? <laughs> you know, all those things. I mean, I have those thoughts, like I just wanna, I wanna be served, it's my turn. That, you let that seed take root and, and, it, and it starts to overwhelm you and you become a very self-serving person. Everything becomes about yourself. When everything comes uh, to be about yourself, you start to make decisions based on your needs. One way, just one way, kind of plays itself out as this. You're like, well, you know, I'm not getting a whole lot out of church lately. I think I'll just skip it this week. And then, you know, it's not too far of a leap to say, you know what, maybe just a couple times a month is all I need. You hear what I just said there? All I need. You ever had that thought? And then it's not too far to say, you know, I really, I don't need to really go. I mean, here's what, here's what Christians say. If you're not a believer, this is going to sound like foreign language, but we say this to ourselves. I'm just not being fed there. Right? Really? That sounds like a consumer. By the way, this isn't a restaurant. <laughs> Mature Christians feed themselves. Mature Christians contribute. They don't just consume. So once you stop going to church, once you throw that out of the equation, it's not too far to say, you know, I don't really need this God thing anymore. I'll just show up on Christmas Eve, you know, make the family happy. We start believing in ourselves. And when it becomes about you, your faith is going to take a hit. And Jesus is reminding his disciples, it's not about you. Do not send them away. I know you're tired. I could just see, you know, Matthew doesn't go into a lot of detail. In fact, none of the gospel writers really go into a lot of detail here. I mean, we don't really know, but I just imagine, because they're ordinary men just like me, and they're probably like, oh man, just send them away. I just want to sit down. I don't have any, I don't I can't even feed myself. I can't feed these 10,000 people. Send them to the villages. But here's the thing. Most of the villages in the area are smaller than 10,000 people. I mean, it's not like they could just show up to the Walmart. I mean, there's not enough food anywhere. I mean, they know this. What they're saying is, let them become someone else's problem. Yeah, I know they don't have food in the villages for them, but at least they're not going to be yelling at us anymore. Self-serving. I think Jesus is putting that on its head, and he's like, no, you're going to serve them. Here's what the, the disciples are like, the need is too great. Nobody can do this. And Jesus is like, did you forget you forget who I am? When you become a self-serving leader, you miss these opportunities to see what God is going to do. Do you think Jesus knew what was going to happen at dinner time? Do you think all during the day he's like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. They're all going to come to me and they're going to say, I don't have enough food. Boy, do I have a surprise for them. I'm going to teach them something tonight. It's going to be cool. And they're never going to forget this lesson. They're never going to forget this lesson. Jesus knew the need. He knew 
the need. So here's the fourth thing. Serving allows you to grow. It allows you to grow in your faith. It causes you to grow. Not even allows, not even the right word. It actually, it causes you to grow because you see Jesus active in your life. You're like, well, there is, there, he is, he is real. Because you will forget that. You will forget it just like the disciples kept forgetting it. And Jesus was standing right in front of them. We all think, gosh, yeah, if I saw the miracle, I would totally believe. Really? Because these guys saw a lot of miracles and they were still like, I'm not sure. One guy named Thomas saw the crucifixion, knew that Jesus had died, and he's like, I'm still not sure. That's what happens. You take yourself out of serving and seeing Jesus active in your life, you're going to say this to yourself one day, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Serving, contributing, allows you to grow because it's an opportunity for Jesus to show you that he's alive and he is still active. It causes you to grow. So, you know, if you're like, well, all right, you know, I've been here for a while. I still, Chris, I'm not, I've never served. I'm still not getting it. Here's the thing, for you, I say this. I think this truth is just locked away in your heart. I think it's there. It's just locked away. And, and you, you just need to allow this to kind of penetrate. It's the key that will unlock the lock. It, this is in all of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, this, is, this has to be in you. If you still do not have this desire after reading through the Gospels, especially this passage, then come and talk to us about that. I want to have a conversation with you about that and ask you, what is it that you do really believe in? Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. Followers of Jesus ought to be growing as their faith becomes more and more real. And serving is a huge, huge part of that. One example of that is Peter. Right after this passage, the next probably most well-known miracle in the New Testament, besides Jesus rising from the dead, is Peter and Jesus walking on the water. Right after this passage, Peter becomes more prominent. We start hearing more about this guy named Peter, this fisherman named Peter. Peter walks on, uh, on the water. Peter goes up on the mountain and sees Jesus transfigured when he meets God. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter declares that Jesus isn't the Messiah three times. Jesus calls Peter to lead his church. Peter's the first one after the Holy Spirit comes, the first one to preach to the Gentiles and to the Jews of Jerusalem. He's the first one. Peter is being developed, even at this moment, to be an amazing leader. That's what Jesus is doing here. Peter is being taught how to contribute and not be a consumer. Now, here's the last one. Here's the last one, and I think this is the most important one, and if you've heard nothing else, I want you to hear this. This is it. When you spend time with Jesus, doing what Jesus did, you begin to see him as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Lord of the universe. The more time I have spent with Jesus over the last 30 years of being a follower of Jesus, the more my faith has grown, and the more I've come to know that he is God. I have seen people healed. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen cancer go away. 
I've seen people far from God come to know Jesus. I've seen the Holy Spirit move in countless, countless ways. Most of those I have seen as a result of me serving the church, both as a volunteer for many years and then lately as a pastor. Had I not been serving, I would have missed it. I talked to so many people and they're like, gosh, I just don't see Jesus active in my life. And I'm like, well, tell me about your life. What do you do? Well, I go to church every Sunday. I go, is that it? And they go, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's why. Do I think Jesus is active right here in this room in your hearts? Of course I do. But worship of God isn't just only a day a week. It's not just like, as they say in Isaiah, God says in Isaiah 58, like a reed blowing in the wind. Do you think really just praying an hour a day is all I asked you to do, God says to the Israelites in Isaiah 58? No, it's more than that. It's being contributors. It's breaking the yoke of oppression and and, and loosening the chains of injustice and feeding the hungry, giving clothes to the naked and shelter to the homeless. It's contributing. That's when you see God active in your life. Don't be just a consumer. Be a contributor. You will see God in ways you have not yet seen. Now, there are just, let me just, let's apply this, okay? Let's apply this. We've been talking all summer about I love serving. It's not just because we want to see people serving. It's because we really think there's something happening here. When you serve, you begin to grow. And when you begin to grow, the church begins to grow. When the church begins to grow, the kingdom begins to grow. That's what we're going for here. So we've highlighted four key things. Four key. One, as you can see this morning, children. Man, it's so important that our children are learning about the Lord and learning about Jesus and experiencing what it means and to learn what it means, even at an early age, to be contributors. Of course, we care about kids because they made me wear the shirt, the children's ministry shirt today. We want to remind you that this is so, so important to us. Our kids, our families are so, so important to us. Parents, we want to help your kids know Jesus with you, not for you. We want to do it with you in partnership with you. Our Shine Special Needs Ministry is an amazing place to serve. We really want to grow that ministry, but guess what? We cannot grow it without more people contributing in that way. It's a labor-intensive ministry. In other words, a lot of our special needs kids need one-on-one help. We need more people. Is that something that you might be interested in? We also think that these four key areas, I'm going to mention another three in a minute, are important, especially on Sunday, because guess what? Every single Sunday is someone's first Sunday at Wheaton Bible Church. There are people here we're not going to ask you to stand up. We're not going to give you a big balloon to walk around with. Okay, guests, you can just chill out. It's cool. But every Sunday is someone's first Sunday here. And believe me, they come in, they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be here. I haven't been to church in a long time. I'm only here because someone told me to go or made me go or whatever. And they're like, I don't know. And they're looking for any excuse not to be here. And if their kids have a bad experience, they're like, see, I told you, we're not coming back. If they're out in our parking lot and they get stuck in a traffic jam or can't find a parking spot, they're like, I'm not going back there again. Which is why we need front door people, people in our parking lot. Before people made up their mind about how good or how terrible this sermon was, they made up their mind about the church in the parking lot. The sermon starts in the parking lot. We need our best people in the parking lot helping. I know you're like, well, they're just wearing like vests and they're doing this sort of thing. It's important that it goes well. 
What about greeting? I hope if you're a guest, you got a, a hello this morning, a friendly hello. Hopefully nobody gave you a hug and a kiss on the cheek or whatever. You know, that's a little too much. We'll let us know. We'll, we'll tap that down a little bit. But hopefully they said, hello, welcome. We're glad you're here. We need our best people at our doors, working in our cafe, in our visitor center. By the way, if you'd like to meet me, I'll be in the visitor center right after the service. I'd love to say hello to you. Have you ever considered serving on Sunday and being part of our front door team? Our tech people, our production people, the people pushing the buttons and making me sound halfway decent and look halfway decent. There are a bunch of them over here. There's a whole bunch of them back over here. We need people because we need everything to go really well on Sunday. And by the way, these are all, most of these people in the black shirts are volunteers. And then the last one we've talked about this summer is Puente del Pueblo. This is our largest outreach in the community outside the four walls of the church. It's an after-school program for 100-plus kids every single day that school is in session. You can work with the kids, first grade through high school. You can teach ESL to their parents, part of our ESL program. It's a great place to serve outside the four walls of the church. There are so many more opportunities. Those are the ones that we have decided to kind of highlight because they're so critical to our Sunday morning success. But there are so many more opportunities. We would love to see, talk with you. There are people right outside our visitor center today that would love to answer questions about serving and about how you can contribute. Now, it'll take a minute. They're probably going to have more people there than they can talk to at once. Don't worry. Okay, Olive Garden is not running out of breadsticks. It's okay. Red Robin has plenty of french fries. There's lots of queso at Chili's. Just give us a few minutes. We would love to answer. If not, give us a call this week. Send us an email. Go online. Pray about this. How can you be a contributor? Like Jesus taught his disciples to be contributors. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would make it really easy for us to contribute. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we're not sure of ourselves. We don't have confidence in ourselves about the ways in which you want to use us. But each of us have been gifted. Some of us can sing. Some of us love kids. Some of us just want to serve. And so we pray that each one who decides to make Wheaton Bible Church their home or has made Wheaton Bible Church their home we ask that you would allow them an opportunity to serve, to help them find that way, that, that, uh, that place to serve. Help us, Lord, not to be self-centered, but to be servant leaders. Allow the world to see that Wheaton Bible Church is made up of selfless, servant leader, Jesus-centered people. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand.